Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. One more panelist who will hopefully be here shortly, but uh, I think we can go ahead and get started. Um, David, why don't you tell us what is Freelance Forge? Um, Freelance Forge is an online community of uh, freelancers and aspiring freelancers who um, give each other feedback, um, advice, share resources that we've found, give each other leads on potential work, and otherwise try to help each other succeed in what is. Uh, supposed to be a, a fun and nurturing environment. Um, Freelance Forge is... Um, it's got its own website, but the easiest way to find it is to go to Twitter, at Freelance Forge, and there's a link. You can go to that link, which will take you to a website where you can sign up for uh, a membership in our private forum. You'll have to um, use an email to get signed up, but then it's super easy. So we are some of the members of Freelance Forge here to talk to you today about Freelancing 101. Um, So hopefully many of you have been to the Writing for Pathfinder and Writing for Starfinder kind of panels where you're going to hear from the developers about what they're looking for. Um, The idea behind this panel is, hey, you want to hear from some of the people who have done that, who have successfully gone from being a fan and a player and to being an active freelancer. So why don't we introduce ourselves? Do you want to... Sure. Uh, I'm Vanessa Hoskins. I've been freelancing since season six of Pathfinder Society Organized Play, so that would be four or five years now. And I write anything from adventures to player companion stuff and rules material all over the place. And I meant to add one more question to the intro, so that is where you are now. And also, how did you get started? Uh, Currently, I I am in Cascade Room 8. She came up the stairs. I did. I, I took the stairs. It's really good for your, your workout. No, um, uh, where am I now? So, I don't know. Right now, my career is doing really well. I'm at a point where I'm basically busy and have finally started to say either no or not yet to work occasionally, which is fantastic, if that's what you meant. There's so many ways to take that question. Okay. I think that's a great answer. How did I get started? I got started, actually, through Pathfinder Society. Organized Play has an open call where you write a quest, like a little like one encounter and one social or skill challenge, and you write this little thing and with a good story and throw it out there and see what they think. And they will use that as a template for can you tell a story? You know, can you put encounters together that are balanced and make sense? Can you follow the format? Because there is a definite like can you do the formatting so we don't have to spend hours fixing it for you. And if you can do all those things, typically they'll give you feedback. You turn it in again with that feedback and those changes and they see how you do. Uh, so I submitted something in season four, and two years later, John Compton said, that's great, but this seems like season four material. And I said, well, that's what I wrote it for two years ago. Um, and uh, the rest is his history. So. Um, my name is David N. Ross, and... Um, sorry, what was the problems again? Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Who are you? Um, where are you now, and how did you get started with freelancing? So, um, I am a regular freelancer for Paizo. I do their Pathfinder line, their Starfinder line, their, um, uh, I do freelancing for about half a dozen third-party publishers right now. I've had about a hundred published credits so far from various publishers, 30 of them for Paizo. So, I've been around a little while. (laughs) Um... I got started doing um, doing like little tiny um, supplements for uh, Headless Hydra Games, which is a, a little press that hasn't been active in several years, um, <clears throat> because I had doing, been doing homebrewing with Faith Stuff, and they had an open call looking for new writers in their dark. Um, like medieval uh, Europe style setting with an emphasis on like fairy creatures and, and magic the, in morale in the city of mages. So I was able to point to my previous homebrew work and, and uh, um, 
talk about the like research I'd done um, in making that Fae project for Dice Freaks forums, and they were able to. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we were still doing interest. You're good. <laughs> for those of us listening at home, we just got our last panelist. <laughs> mm. And then that work turned into other projects for other publishers once I had able to show them I could turn over work to a client in a timely fashion. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Kendra Lee Speedling. I've been freelancing for uh, probably around three or four years now. Um, I started off because I saw a uh, job posting for Paizo for uh, a full-time employee which I ended up applying for, which I did not get the job, but I did get a very nice email from Wes Schneider encouraging me to um, get more publishing credits in the RPG industry because at the time I only had fiction credits. So um, I did that. I started uh, keeping an eye out for uh, Pathfinder work, and I've been building up ever since. I've done work for Paizo, some PFS quests and player companion stuff as well as some things for uh, Legendary Games in the Ethero setting, uh, Rogue Genius, and uh, Wright Publishing. And I've recently become a regular contributor to Pathways, which is Wright's uh, free Pathfinder e-zine. So that is... that's me. (laughs) I'm Jacob Michaels. Uh, I don't remember exactly when I started freelancing. I know I started doing game design for real. In 2012, I got into the uh, RPG Superstar Contest that Paizo used to run, um, which I much loved. Um, I got in again a couple years later, and somewhere in that area I kind of became a relatively consistently working freelancer. Um, I do it just as a hobby. I, basically my goal is to pay my gaming bills with it. Um, I'm kind of, I feel like, maybe level 7, 8, I guess, if we're going on a 1 to 20. Um, I typically have work if I'm looking for it, but I feel I still need to kind of go out and say, hey, do you want to hire me? I would like to work for you. Um, I don't usually have people come and say, hey, Jacob, come work for us. We would really, really like you. Um, uh, Stuff I've done uh, for Paizo, I've done some at least one campaign setting. I've done some player companion stuff, a lot of archetypes. Um, I've done some monsters for AP back matter. and then my main uh, source, my main publisher is Raging Swan Press, which does a lot of kind of uh, setting material. Um, and so they'll do uh, basically things you can drop into your campaign. So a lot of my stuff is uh, flavor content, although I enjoy the rules as well. Uh, my name is Jessica Redekop. I actually started freelancing two years ago as a result of attending PaizoCon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've been attending the convention for a couple of years at that point, running uh, Planescape games, and Planescape has a strong but niche following, so some of the other publishers and industry people who really liked Planescape uh, noticed my games but were continually frustrated by their inability to get into them, (laughs) and uh, Kristen Swords offered me uh, work on City of Seven Seraphs which he was uh, kickstarting later that year. Because uh, Seraphs was kind of like a planar setting, my reputation for running Planescape games got me on the project, and then once I had that, I decided, whatever, I'll send a writing sample to Paizo. <laughs> so uh, Paizo things that I've written that have been published thus far, I contributed to Wilderness Origins, and I have a PFS scenario, Hygen Hierophant. I'm your moderator today. My name is Kate Baker. I've been freelancing for about four years. I've been a pretty regular freelancer for Paizo for about two. Um, I've written for many different product lines, but by far the thing I'm best known for is Starfinder Society Scenario 108, (laughs) the one with the space walruses, (laughs) the the Morlamoth. So that is probably where you know my name. (laughs) Uh, And I am so excited to be talking to you all today about how to get into freelancing. Uh, so we've talked a bit, and we don't have to like go down the line at this point. People can pipe up as they have things to say. Um, we talked a bit about how we got started, but once you've got one job, how do you keep that ball rolling? How do you get your, your second job and your third job and make it into a regular thing? 
Um, I, for me, I think part of it's just asking. Um, if you, especially after the release of your whatever product it is you've done, if even if it's player companion material, for example, if people are talking about the feat that you wrote or the archetype you have and how cool it is, it's a really good way to go back to that developer and say, hey, you know, it looks like there's good feedback on this. Uh, I'd like to write more for you. Uh, let's say people are saying, hey, this is so unbalanced, it's terrible. That's still fine. You can say, hey, I wrote this and now I realize my mistakes and have learned so much. I'm looking forward to proving myself to you again in the next project. Um, and I think just asking for work is a, is a thing that people get timid about, but it's really important to just go out there and do and let them know that you as a freelancer are still interested. Um, in addition to that, I'd say it's very important to uh, not feel like you're confined to this one space, this one client, just because that was where your first assignment was. Um, Especially if it's something like uh, Wayfinder that's unpaid. Um, You don't have to stay in the space you started in and wait for some sort of milestone to spread out. Go ahead and spread out immediately. Um, Send emails to uh, publishers who have open calls and say... I've done this piece of work before, point to the publisher, and that is often even better than a writing sample to say that you've been published and somebody trusted you when you were able to turn over and finish your project. Um, But it's also good to include a writing sample too, or offer one in case they want it. Attending conventions is also a huge help and a very big privilege that you would have over people who aren't able to attend conventions. Once you can get yourself in front of people who would be assigning work and you can talk about projects you've had in the past, whether that's one project or more than one, it doesn't really matter. You can start a conversation. I've written this. I'm interested in written that. Uh, I like this sort of thing. And then once people have you in their mind, they're more likely to think of you when they have work to assign. Conventions can also be a good place to find things you might be interested in working on that you didn't necessarily know existed before. Um, I got my work on uh, the Athera setting when I went to the panel about it at PaizoCon when they were first announcing it. And at the time, I thought, you know, this is a really cool setting. I would like to do things in it. So I went up after the panel and I talked to Robert, who was uh, one of the co-creators of the setting. And... That is how I ended up working on it. It can be a good way to find new opportunities for things that you would be interested in working on and maybe some things you want to have heard of before or want to have considered working on before. I think just being proactive. um, You have to go out and I think it's rare the people uh, that come to you. You need to put yourself out there and reach out to developers and just say, or, uh, you know, publishers and say, hey, I'd like to do something. Do you have anything available? Um, Mm -hmm. Do that fairly regularly. You know, you don't want to be annoying. um, Kind of make sure you're not overdoing that uh, to the same publisher, but um, feel free to reach out to many. I don't, I'm sure, I don't think I have as many as David, but I've got probably at least a dozen, I would guess about a dozen different publishers who have done, published my work. Uh, well, that kind of brings into the, the next subject, which is networking, which is sometimes terrifying, but very, very important for getting work. Um, there were a few comments on that, but uh, I think people had some additional things to add on that subject of how to, how to network in the tabletop RPG industry. I think Jessica and I can both speak to uh, the memorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that doesn't just necessarily mean like how you present yourself, although that is important. Um, also, just if you have uh, a cool idea, for example, and you're like, oh, you know what would be a neat idea for a product? Or it's something. Something to show that you have creative spark. Um, creative idea for a product, a way of presenting it, a way of selling it, something like that um, can sort of help you put yourself in the mind of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just showing that you have creativity in less direct ways. Um, at PaizoCon, for example, uh, a lot of the developers and things run their own games. If you are lucky enough to get in a lottery event or show up when it starts anyway in case there's a spot, which is a great way to get into a game, by the way, because uh, there's always no shows. Uh, not always, but occasionally. Um, 
if you just have a great role play experience at the table, so that you brought a, a creativity even to a, a pre-generated character that they gave you, that shows them you're a creative person. When that game's over, then say, hey, by the way, I'm an aspiring freelancer, or I'm a freelancer. Any work you have, I'd be really interested. Here's my card. Have business cards. That. Uh. You can often get business cards very cheaply if you go to places like Vistaprint, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the big thing with a business card, I think, that's successful is, <laughs> is um, make sure you have your name, make sure you have what you do, mm-hmm. and make sure you have a way to contact you. It doesn't have to be like a phone number or an address or anything, just email, uh, Twitter, something. Mm-hmm. And make sure you can write on it somehow, and don't be shy about writing on it so that you can help people remember what you talked about, why they have your card. Another another good thing to put on your card, if you have one, is your website. Uh, Websites you can get for free from a variety of places or relatively cheaply if you want your own domain name. Um, And it can be a good way to list your credits um, if you're into running blogs, which... The last time I updated my own blog was in 2016, so that is clearly not me, but I do keep my list of credits up to date, and that's something I can put on my business card and point to when I am talking to someone. If you want to, you know, if you want to go see things I've done, here's the list, all in one place. I was just going to say, speaking of being, um, writing things down, as Dave said, you know, especially at a con like this, the developers are getting, are busy, but they're also getting a ton of cards. Um, so, if you can write down, you know, your idea, what you talked about, that can help jog their memory when they pull out. Oh, here's the twenty to thirty to forty. I don't know how many cards they get. I mean, I know I get a dozen, maybe. Um, so that can certainly help. Conventions are great for networking, but everybody at them is really busy. Uh, everybody in this industry is typically a gamer, though, so watching the lottery events for games that um, developers or people adjacent to developers like other freelancers are running, or if you see on the forums that they're interested in an event, trying to get into that event can be a good way to meet people. At my first PaizoCon, I had the good fortune of having Tim Nightingale in one of my games, and then at subsequent cons, he continually introduced me to more and more people because he liked my game so much. So you don't even necessarily need to be getting into games run by developers. You can take the initiative, write an adventure for yourself. If you want to establish yourself as someone who wants to write a PFS adventure, you write an adventure yourself, bring it to the convention, run a couple slots, get people talking about if they liked your game. And that sort of activity doesn't even have to be confined to a convention where you're showing off your work. If you if you stream, for example, you could demonstrate your adventure writing skills in an adventure that you put online so that it can essentially be a portfolio piece that people use as entertainment. I was going to say, going to Jess's point, I think when I first got in one of my early interactions, I assumed you know, she was a seasoned uh, freelancer. And I, we were talking about something, I forget what, and yeah. I was like, I think, you know, you're forgetting how hard it is when you're just starting out. And she's like, I am just starting out. <laughs> Jacob, I think you're forgetting I have zero publications. <laughs> the way she presented herself, you know, was great. I had no clue. I yeah. thought she was like, oh, here's this experienced person. Yeah, yeah. who I was like, it's not that easy. So you laid your bluff check. Yes. <laughs> and confidence can help like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. In freelancing and in life in general, confidence is key. If you walk up and are like, I can do this, they will believe you. If you walk up and be like, I would like a shot to maybe try to do the thing, I think, they'll be like, mm, okay, yeah, well, um, alright, maybe I'll talk to you. You know, just be like, yeah, no, I, I, I love doing feats. I think they're really cool, especially style feats for unarmed combat, and I have 15 ideas. I'd blow your mind. Yeah, whatever it is okay. that you want to do, don't be shy about starting it right away. Start doing it for free. Start building up your skill at doing it. If you want to write adventures, write adventures and run them. Mm -hmm. If you want to write feats, start posting them on Twitter or Tumblr. And then when you're meeting people, you can say, I love writing feats. Check out my blog. I have like 25 feats there. Mm -hmm. I was going to say one other thing, which may not apply as much because we're all here at a con, but also Facebook and online, um, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I'm friends with a handful of designers and developers at Paizo, which also kind of gives you a personal just, hey, you're chatting, you're maybe not talking about game stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to go necessarily friend Jason or James Jacobs because I don't think they really know who I am. But the folks I've interacted with at the con who I've chatted with, you know, okay, I'm going to say, great, I'm going to friend them. You know, and then it kind of gives you, oh, not every interaction with them is work. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you become friends. I'd like to think I'm yeah. friends with uh, some of our folks, mm -hmm. some of the Paizo employees. Yes, I want them to give me work too, but I think hopefully we have a deeper relationship than that. A, a big thing that I think it's important to remember about networking is it's not just like... It can feel slimy at first to to try to get to know people in order to get work, but that's not all you should be seeking to do with networking. Networking is a way to build your network of friends, of peers, of allies. Um, this isn't just a way for you to get work. This is a way for you to get to know people, to share your thoughts, to um, help each other figure out what to do with situations. When you're talking to somebody, whether it be online or at a, a convention, um, you should be paying attention to what are other people's interests and goals. And yes, you should be thinking about how those align with what you can do so that you can get work from them. But you should also be thinking about how does that align with what other people I know I uh, can do so that you can connect people to those who can help them even if that person isn't you. And if you have this alliance of other people that you've talked to who are doing the same thing, you can help each other so that you all end up in a better situation at the end of things. Mm -hmm. I sometimes joke that the way I got into the industry was hitting networking critical mass before I was trying to get into it. <laughs> like It was my second year at PaizoCon. I'd already met so many people and cultivated this reputation as someone who was really passionate about running adventures. And because people saw me, they knew me, I knew them, they knew what I was doing, they liked what I was doing, I already had all of that lined up. And so then I go home from the convention, I get a Facebook message, so do you do freelance like game design? And I'm like, no. I said, okay, okay. Do you want to do freelance? <laughs> <laughs> so the networking that you're doing um, doesn't necessarily have to be trying to get work. Like... Obviously, you're at this panel because you want it, but you also want to build these relationships in a hopefully organic way. Even though you're looking for work, you still want to cultivate, like David was saying, a, a relationship with these people that's not just, I want work from you, you want to hire me, done deal. Um, I can say for me that was uh, a really valuable thing about Freelance Forge was having access to these people who were active freelancers and new answers to questions like what do I put on my business cards or how do I do these things so your network of peers is just as important as your network of people who can give you work and mm -hmm. worth cultivating for sure and I think it can be a good person I think is you know what it's <laughs> don't be that person I think you know I've really enjoyed you know when I've been able to help people. I think Kate talks about how I helped her out early. Well, more recently, I turned to Kate and say, Kate, give me some suggestions. What do I do here? Um, so, you know, you can reverse situations and just, you know, be a good person, be a friend, be decent. Mm -hmm. And always be charming. <laughs> That's where I struggle. <laughs> Actually, uh, to, to tie into uh, how to get your second um, job, once you have, like, put your foot in the door, is um, if you're going to a, uh, a space where you might be able to interact with people that you've worked, like, met or interacted with before, um, like going to a convention or maybe doing online gaming together or something like that, coordinate ahead of time with the people you, that you know so that you can talk to them again. Like, get on their schedule, um, fit into their availability before ever you're at the show and everybody is... Like swarming in them the for attention. Yeah. yeah. I'd say also be observant. I had uh, someone I wanted to talk to today. I said, "Hey, when there's time, let's." If, no, I didn't think I had to do that. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I kind of made sure I didn't want to go interrupt while he was having dinner. I saw him with friends, I assume, in the bar. 
And I said, let's not go interrupt, because that's not going to be something that he wants. Um, I found him at a later point and said, hey, can we talk at some point? He said, sure, you know, find me, you know, whatever. Um, I found him at a time that he was not in the middle of a conversation or a meal or something. So just or kind of, running a game. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't want to do that. <laughs> just pause the game for a second. and uh, <laughs> Let me tell you about this class. <laughs> so... Uh, this has been a lot of really great discussion on how to get jobs, mm-hmm. but uh, another important thing is what to do when you've got that job. So what are everybody's suggestions for how do you actually do the work? How do you get it done in such a way that you keep getting more work? I've <laughs> <laughs> all worked more than I just don't want to always answer Break first. Pause. Um, so usually um, what I do is I'll get the, what typically they'll have something specific they want you to do. For example, Paisa will come and say, okay, we want you to do this quest. We want it to go like this. These things have to happen. It has to be for this level. Or it might be like uh, someone who needs, okay, we need this monster, something that's in this theme, or an archetype that does this. So I'll typically go look, what they, look at what they want think about it for a little while, make sure that the ideas I'm getting, um, I'll have to double check to make sure nothing like that already exists, which the online SRDs can be really helpful with. I usually reference Archives of Nethys to make sure that what I'm thinking of is not already in existence from someone, um, as well as uh, the D20, and they have more of the the third-party things out. And then I'll usually write. I've been told my process is a little unusual because I'm Generally, I try to make the draft I show someone something I would be okay with being published as is. That never happens, but I started off in fiction, so I'm used to not letting anyone look at uh, things I write in a professional capacity unless they are perfect. <laughs> that is not how things usually go, I am told. So I've, <laughs> I've, I'm a bit unusual in that regard, but I write that out check it over. If I have a chance to do a little playtesting, if it's something that needs that, I try to get that done, and then send it in. Hit your deadlines, that's important. (laughs) I feel like there's a few major factors to getting more work. One is, hit your deadlines. I personally like to try to hit my deadline by a week ahead. I don't always do that, but I figure, you know, people like when they get things earlier. That makes their lives easier. Um, So I at least mentally always try to work a week ahead. As I say, the other thing, obviously, is doing good work. And to me, I guess my advice for that is know your process, what works for you. For me, you know, sitting in front of my computer, I struggle to think of ideas. I think of my best ideas when I'm out walking my dog. So happily, I've got my cell phone. It's got a recorder. I'll sit there sometimes, and I must sound like a lunatic, but, you know, I'll kind of just speak out various things. You know, I cringe when I listen back to it. But talk out, okay, how does this sound, um, ideas. Sometimes I'll take notes like, oh, here's something I can do, you know, as a power. Think about, um, you know, whatever it is, a swarming bite. He shoots bees out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> you know, and then when I get back to my computer, I start frantically searching to see if there are any other monsters that shoot bees out of their mouth. Um, you know, but know your own process. I know other people um, want to have a dedicated space and listen to music. I like silence, preferably, when I'm actually doing my writing. But knowing what works for you, and sometimes that might still take time to figure out what works for you, is important. Yeah, I'm told having a dedicated workspace that isn't your like entertainment space or your sleeping space is helpful. I can't speak to that, but my life is a disaster. <laughs> I'm told it's great, though. <laughs> you are definitely try. told that by people who don't live in very expensive areas to live, <laughs> so you can only afford a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> because that's definitely my circumstance. I do not have a dedicated area for anything. One thing you can do when you don't have enough space, because I found that having a separate space does help, is like have a little room divider or um, put on music or lighting or something that will at least make the space feel different when you're trying to work. Uh, I know I know writers who prefer to get all the writing done in, in coffee shops or something for a similar reason. Or libraries. I like libraries. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for me, um, I like have a different Chrome profile that doesn't have any of my social media on it. It is just for writing and doing research, just so I can look stuff up on archives, just so I can do things like that while I'm writing and not get distracted by that little Facebook message popping up or anything like that and go, oh, what updated? Who said what? Like, no, I just need to work on it. Um, a lot of people like music. I like ambient noise. So there's ambient-mixer.com, and it's got a bunch of sounds that are just background noise. I like uh, The Perfect Storm, because it just sounds like heavy rain and some distant thunder, and all of that just drowns out everything else in our apartment, and I can just sit and focus on the page and what I'm doing, um, because I also do not have a separate space. Um, So that helps. I also think that even though you may curse your old English teacher's good name for making you outline everything outline everything. I always start with what's the outline I was given, expand it. Uh, If it's an adventure, it's encounter by encounter. How does this flow? Where the CRs work? Where am I putting all my treasure? I get all that figured out before I start writing room descriptions or NPC stats or anything. Because if you have this roadmap of where to go, the rest of it falls into place and you don't have to rewrite things and go, oh, I forgot to plant this clue earlier. The, The Duke is really the villain. Like, you don't You already know that ahead of time. And then as you're going through, I usually do sometimes in my milestones have things that would never be published. Things like, this is where they meet the Duke. He's a little smarmy and they might think something's up. And that's it. That's all it says. And then when I go back through later, I remember, oh yes, this is where I'm dropping this information. This is where this loot gets picked up. And even that way, if I get to a milestone and it's not in like a a first rough draft form, at least my developer can see, ah, this is where they're going with all these different sections. Um, I have a very like structured outline, rough draft, keep revising sort of way. And I think that's a good way to make sure you're not redoing work. Yeah, I'm going to say also outlining is super helpful, um, not just for keeping track of what you're doing, but also to trick yourself into feeling like you have more work done than you actually do to keep your morale up. (laughs) Because if you have your outline, instead of just like a blank document, you're going to feel like, oh yeah, I have this under control, I know what I have to do. You can do like the header at the top of the outline and then put in parentheses the total word count you want for the whole thing and then break your word count down section by section and then you can update it as you write like, oh yeah, I already have 50 words here, 25 words here. I'm on track. I'm doing fine. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. One more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, back on the subject of deadlines quick. Um, obviously, try to make your deadlines. Do your best to do that. But... If something does come up and you can't make your deadline for whatever re- for whatever reason, tell the person who gave you the project as soon as possible. Don't just disappear on them. They do not like that. <laughs> it's very scary and when you do that. As, as soon so the sooner they know that something is up and you might need a week's extension or maybe they need to give part of the project to somebody else, the better. Um, and obviously that's they're they're not going to be super happy about that, but they'd rather know than just have you disappear and not understand what happened or not know what they need to do to get this finished. Yeah, and it, it's very professional to be able to do that. It mm-hmm. shows that you're self-aware and that you are um, taking responsibility for your obligations even if you aren't able to meet them anymore. And that is how you keep them happy with you enough to either get future work or to um, get the sort of credit that you need to get work from a different publisher. Yeah, as soon as you get the first hint that you might not be able to make the deadline, say something right away, even if it's before you have the assignment. Like, if somebody contacts you, like, oh, I have this project, this is the deadline, would you be able to do it? Feel free to say at that time, like, I can't do it at that deadline, but if you give me another week, I could do it. Or if you're, like, a couple weeks into the project and things are starting to go a little sideways, immediately, like, I might still be able to make my deadline, but I might not. How are things in the schedule right now? If I need an extension, can I have one? Or if you start feeling like you can't make the deadline, like I might not be able to make this deadline, is, is there anybody else you can give the work to or can I have an extension? Like as soon as you think, even if you're not sure, as soon as you think things might be going off track, let them know like I'm not sure, but I think things are a little Um, let's see. Oh, uh, as far as my process goes when I am getting the work done is 
I start with an outline, like you were saying. But the big thing that I worry about is I get as much done as I can from that outline, like as soon as I have the assignment. And then I step back a minute, because I know with my process, I can't just keep grinding slowly at a project. I have to have a little gap. Let me uh, not remember exactly where I was. When I come back, it seems like a fresh project to me. And then I grind again. And so you, you need to know what your personal pace is, what's ideal for you. Try different things to see what works. Um, and early on, you want to um, make sure you have a lot of wiggle room to do that experimentation. Err on the side of caution for what you're willing to accept until you know exactly what your process is like. Um, one thing that I do that I haven't had anybody else mention yet, but my outlining stage and uh, brainstorming stages are almost always on pen and paper. Um, I find that I can let the words flow a lot more easier or start drawing super rough maps or I'm a terrible artist, but like this is sort of what my monster looks like, and it should have this and that, and um, that's just because I, as just mentioned, there's nothing more terrifying than a completely blank word document, and you're like, this has to be ten thousand words. How will it ever get there? Um, but if you're like, this is a piece of paper, and I have a pen, and just immediately there's going to be things. So that's uh, for me personally something. I have notebooks filled with just random notes and pictures. <laughs> yeah, I do that in digital form, but it's essentially the same thing. I. I just try to get words out at the beginning because I find, like, I don't even... This might seem counterintuitive to some people, but writing something awful and then fixing it into something good is, like, two or three times as fast for me as writing something decent the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, even if I know this is stupid, I won't be able to use any of it. Just getting the words out and replacing them incrementally with other things is way easier for me. My outline is usually someone hands me an outline or I make a first draft. That's mm -hmm. how I do things. Sure. Which is weird, I know. What? <laughs> I was going to say, I. Yeah, everybody's different. Mentally kind of shaking my head saying, I don't really outline. But then <laughs> Jess said, her way, I said, oh yeah, I do that. So I'll, <laughs> I know, you know, if I get something from Paizo, I know I have X part, X hundred words. So I kind of set up with the styles. I say, okay, you know, and the other thing just mechanically, I guess I do would work. I'm a huge fan of that highlight function, possibly different colors. Mm -hmm. That way I can, so especially I'll do it with stat blocks. I have my stat block template, I throw it on, and then I just highlight it. And as I fill in, that way I make sure I don't give them something Fort XX, Will XX, Reflex XX, mm -hmm. because that's still highlighted bright yellow. I know I still need to go back and do that. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of mechanically using word um, ways to do it, but I absolutely yeah, I, guess. I do the highlighting trick all the time. It's yeah. so nice, especially when you're like, I'm writing this room description, and they meet. I don't have an NPC name. Yes. That bartender NPC highlight, <laughs> and then later when I'm going through, I'm like, oh yes, I have named this person now. I can fill in the proper name, but then I don't forget it. And then my developer goes, who's this bartender NPC? Why are we looking at this? Um, and also comments. So, especially if you think you're doing something clever, which you probably are. Your developer might not see it right away and might not know that's why you put that specific monster in that room with that hazard because of a way that you wanted things to go. And maybe they want to change it anyway. Use the comments and throw a little comment that says, hey, by the way, when they use this ability in this room, this is what I'm intending. So the developer will look at it and either go, ah, I see what you did there, or oh, I, okay, yeah, we're going to fix that. Or they say, I see what you did and that's clever, but it doesn't work for this rule. I know I'll fix it. That way it doesn't get all the way out to the end, and it's like GMs are looking at it going, you yeah, know, it doesn't work that way. And you went, oh, I misread that rule. That has happened to me. So the comments are fantastic for letting your developer know, this is what I'm trying to go for. And I think along those lines, one of the things I always try to do, and I'm guessing everyone else here, make things as easy as you can for your developer, because <laughs> they're going to appreciate mm -hmm. that. I use comments probably more with first edition, but I often call it show your math. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with first edition, if you're doing monsters or NPCs, it can get really confusing. Stats, um, I don't you know, know. skill Stats. ranks. You know, show me what you did. So I used to run these contests that would be to make a monster or a villain NPC. Um, and it got to the point where sometimes you're trying to recreate these stat blocks and it was impossible. So we basically said, show your math. Put in 
you know, here's how this will save was figured out. That way, I don't have to spend my time, you know, because if I'm looking at 50 monsters trying to figure out, okay, which is which are good, which are bad, that would take a lot of time to recreate all those stat blocks. So mm -hmm. I appreciated those people who showed their math. We're all human. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We're going to have math errors. Showing where you get your numbers from and other sorts of comments like that are the way that you make sure that when you make errors, because you will make errors, they get caught before they go to print. Um, uh, oh, uh, to clarify, the comment function is something you can do in Microsoft Word or OpenOffice or LibreOffice um, Google Docs. or Google Docs. Um, I, you've probably seen them by now in for some random reason or another interact with those programs, but um, it's uh, an easy thing to find if you look online for a little tutorial how to put them in. And it doesn't change your word count. It doesn't change your word count. <laughs> um, oh, another part of making things easy for your developers, which is something you absolutely should do whenever you're doing work, is um, make sure that you know what their styles are, how they format things, how they want things to look, how they want to phrase things. So um, ask for a style guide. If they don't have one, look online for other people's style guides. I know Rogue Genius Games, for example, publishes theirs. Um, and use those guides. Don't consider them rough guidelines. Actually follow them. Unless These are the rules of the assignment. <laughs> unless you have a very specific reason why you think yeah. you shouldn't, and then run it by the person who hired you. Like, you asked me to create a stat block for this. This type of thing has never had a stat block before. <laughs> Would you like me to wing it? <laughs> and if there's no style guide for the company you're working for, sometimes looking at other products they've put out and the format for that, that's generally what I do. If there's no established style guide that they can send me, is look at their other things and format it based off of that. To me, when you're getting your start again with these contests, it was amazing to me, you know, not to sound negative, how many people just kind of couldn't follow the basic rules. Um, you know, and granted, I would rather have a fantastic idea that didn't follow the rules than, you know, a perfect rule, you know, something that follows the rules perfectly, but is, you know, he casts fireball, your monster can cast fireball, that's not super exciting, even if you get the rules perfect. Um, but getting both of those, what I'd really like to see is your fantastic idea that perfectly follows the rules. That's the person I'm going to say, oh, we want to work with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I know that was something I prided myself on early when I first got my start in Superstar was, oh, I can follow these rules. This is pretty simple. You know, here's the template. Do that. Um, so really kind of check that. Make sure you're doing it right. And I, I think that leads us into, and I, I do want to save at least 10 minutes for, for Q&A, but maybe one last question before we open up for questions from the audience. What are the biggest things you wish you knew when you got started? You might have already addressed some of them, but what have you not talked about yet that you only wish you knew several years ago when you were starting? I wish I knew that checking in every so often was expected and encouraged. <laughs> I'm, I've been, for the for the first several years, I was a bit like a vampire in that I had to be invited in mm -hmm. to do work rather than going out to seek it, so I'm trying to overcome that. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I think similarly, I wish I knew like that it was okay to ask your developer questions, that it doesn't make you sound like you're a weak freelancer and don't know what you're doing. It makes it sound like, I have this idea and I want to make sure it works so you're not just going to change it and redo my work, especially if it's kind of a wazoo idea. Um, for example, uh, I have a thing that I can't quite say what it is yet because it's not announced, uh, but there's a section I was writing that was some sort of fluff uh, material about something, and I said, you know what? This would look a lot better from this certain direction and like a first-person narrative point of view, and I think it would come across more organically. And the developer said, absolutely. Now, if I had just decided to do that, so two options. One, if I had just decided to do that and they hated it, now they have to redo everything I've done and they're upset. If I had just gone, ooh, I don't know, it's creative, but maybe they won't like it, I won't do it that way. And then later said, yeah, I thought about doing it first person and this from this certain perspective. They might have said, that would have been brilliant. Oh, well, too late. <laughs> uh, so it's always better to ask questions. Um, and even as something as that might seem small, like 
I don't know about this creature or this creature. They both seem appropriate. And I'm sure the developer would be like, you know what? That one actually works a lot better. Or we haven't had enough of those in adventures. Use it. Um, so definitely be, feel free to reach out to your, your developer for questions. Um, I wish that I had um, known more of, uh, about like negotiating. Uh, for a long time, I felt like if I had an offer, well, that's what the offer was. That's what I have to do. I got to jump on it and take it. It's I can I can make a counter offer. I can ask for better terms if I if I, if I need more money to justify my time, which I usually do. <laughs> Because this industry does not have very good pay, and it's important to respect the value of your time if you're going to spend, like, trying to do this professionally. Um, I wish I'd known that it's okay to say no um, when you have a, a, a job offer, um, either because you found out after you um, got involved in the process you couldn't do it, or if you just realize, or if you just realized that. Um, you don't have enough room on your plate. Uh, life will not be kind to you if you try that. Um, if you if you have other things going on in your life that are more important right now, if you have enough jobs already, um, if your process does not mesh well with you having that many projects, if a project is not your cup of tea and that affects how easy it is to do the work, it's okay to say no, to say, do you have other projects that are available that would be more suitable to my needs and availability. It's okay to say, can I have royalties instead of a flat rate? Um, these are... It, it's okay to negotiate. You, you seem more confident and more um, professional if you have standards that you want them to live up to instead of just taking whatever is given to you. This is a privilege that I did have when I was starting, but I'm aware of how incredibly beneficial it was. Um, networking with other freelancers is incredibly helpful for getting someone to just look at what you're being offered and just say, like, hey, is this okay? Is this normal? Should I accept this? Should I negotiate for something else? Like, I'm being offered this rate. Is this okay? Yeah. So helpful. Mm -hmm. Especially so, like, if you're working in an area where you maybe haven't done so far, so you've done writing and want to move to development or something, it can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah, so like a community like Freelance Forge is incredibly helpful because you can post there and say, like, uh, I am being offered this work, but, like, they want to negotiate with me and I don't feel confident, like, I don't know what I'm asking for. What should I be asking for? What rate do I want? Do I want royalties? If I want royalties, what... What do I, how does that work? Like, can you explain to me what, what am I getting myself into? They're asking me questions and I, I need an answer, but I don't have one. Help me. And people are generally happy to help. Mm -hmm. Like, in, in this, we're all pretty friendly people, I feel. So, usually, you know, if someone comes to you with a question, you, you want to help them. Yeah. I've benefited from that in the past and I hope to be able to help other people in the future. So. I don't know. I think we're absolutely terrifying. <laughs> clearly, we're not trying. We're trying to give you all wrong information. <laughs> <laughs> our job off. <laughs> so you definitely shouldn't do. The don't tell them our evil plot. I'm winking right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, do we have any questions from the audience or um, So, how often do you get an outline? to work on versus making your own or starting from scratch on projects? 98% of the time. Oh, see, I was going to say it depends, <laughs> it depends. on the publisher. The publisher. Type, That's true. Well, I thought the type of work you like to do. For me, I very much like to find someone is looking for someone to do something specific. I know there are other people who are saying, and I've done a couple times, I've said, oh, I have this idea that I really love that I want to do, and I went out and found, it was, I did a book of uh, Monster Troops, um, which was a which was a um, creature type that was created in uh, the Reign of Winter pa uh, mm -hmm. Adventure Path, and I loved it. I thought this is a great idea. I was like, this is my idea. I want to do this book, and I went out and found someone to publish and said, 
and I pitched that, and mm -hmm. kind of learning to pitch. I wish we had another hour because um, <laughs> I could talk about that too. But so that's I what pitched. the bar is for. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, and seriously, I didn't, here's my card to people. Um, but so I said, here's kind of what I see, and I got feedback. You know, I think we maybe switched one because they said, what if we did this instead? Um, so Paizo definitely gives me a specific outline, but other ones I feel like I pitch more. Here's my idea. Um, it's a spectrum. I mean, Paizo is generally very like, here's our outline. Here's what you need you to do. On the other end of the spectrum is things like uh, my work for Pathways, where they're like, here's the theme of this month's issue. Write something, mm -hmm. and I just make something up based on that. And so it, it really depends on the project and the publisher. Mm -hmm. Even like Wayfinder will be like, here's the six different types of articles, or however many types they have uh, that you can do. So each one has kind of a format, but they don't give you an outline. You know, you you choose. I'm writing a wheel and whoa. This is kind of the format. Here you go. Here's my idea that fits your theme. So, yeah, I think uh, it's generally the ten the the trend is smaller publishers tend to be more open to pitches, mm -hmm. and larger publishers tend to be less open to risk and more interested in um, filling out particular um, plans they already have. Yes. Both can be good ways to do it, depending on what you like. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned Wayfinder a couple things. I feel like maybe we should yeah, yes. expand on that. Yes. Um, how many people in here have, have heard of Wayfinder or read Wayfinder before? Okay, so most of you. Um, Wayfinder is a great way to get your work out there. Um, like Jessica was saying earlier, having something to point point to that is like, here, this is what I've done. Here's an example of my work. Um, it's also something that you retain the rights over. So you can, you can actually send that out to publishers as samples, whereas you might not be able to do that on other projects that might technically be... A, the, the property of the company you work for. Yeah, you can say, I wrote this, I have a credit, but they'll have to go look it up themselves because mm -hmm. you can't provide you can't that. You can ask the publisher, though. Like, you, you could. Can say, yeah, yeah, I you can. want, that's like, true. I wrote this thing. Like, can I send this feat out to, can I send this feat to Paizo as a sample of my work? And you can get permission from, like, a third party publisher to send a certain chunk of something to other publishers to shop it around. You want to ask before you do it. But most but places are open to it. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, one of the, I think another nice thing about Wayfinder is, at least for me, I do, I've done editing on Wayfinder for a couple of the last two issues. I'm always going to try to respond to the person whose articles I'm editing and offer feedback and say, hey, this was, you know, here's what I liked, here's what I didn't. Um, I think asking for feedback, and sometimes you can't necessarily do that with the bigger companies just because they're really busy. I mean, they're open to the idea, but they don't always have time to give you as much detailed feedback when you get a chance. And I think that's one of the nice things about the Freelance Forge message boards. There's opportunities to get that feedback as well. Um, you know, I'm always surprised at the lack of times I get asked for feedback. Back when I did kind of contests and open calls, I always thought that was disappointing. So I would say always constantly be looking for, you know, what can I do better? I know I still am at least. You know, I want to know, hey, here's what works, here's what didn't. That is something to, it's important to know that you can do, because for a long time I didn't know that you could do that, because I started off doing fiction, where the feedback is, we'll buy your story, or we won't, typically, except in rare cases. So that is, you know, that is something you can do. Uh, are there more questions? Hand. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit of a question. Uh, could you tell me more about Freelance Forge? I actually have not heard. Yeah, of absolutely. Before. We did a, a brief spiel at the beginning, but um, we can. I know some people came in later, so we can talk about it again. Um, so this is a community that was founded by very established freelancer Mike Kimmel, who is not here this year because he has a new baby. So, uh, uh, this is a message board. They still. Uh, and you, the easiest way to get the link, as David said earlier, is probably on Twitter, so at FreelanceForge. Mm -hmm. um, or if you want to type more more letters, it's FreelanceForge.Boards.Net is the, the URL. Um, and this is a... I see people poking their heads in. Five-minute warning there. Um, uh, so this is a community for tabletop RPG freelancers to network, to meet each other. There's my five-minute card. <laughs> um, 
And last my last my sentence. All right, we'll start over. Yeah. Answer questions. Give each other leads. Yeah. Anytime there's like an open call, someone will typically post a link and say, "Hey, this publisher is doing an open call. Everybody, go submit." And there's a real mix of experience. I think is one of the nice things. So there are some people who are just getting started out. There's some who are, you know, high level. Here, um, and I think especially as we go to two E, I imagine there's going to be a lot of people working to make sure we all know what we're doing for two E. Uh, there'll be design challenges, and you know, I know I'm planning to participate in that to try to keep honing my own skills at the uh, new edition. Mm -hmm. okay. What would you say is the best way to bounce back if you have missed a deadline or kind of? Like done something where you're like, oh my god, they're never gonna like work ever again. Like, what would you say is the best way to grovel or? <laughs> <laughs> Groveling probably isn't necessary. <laughs> I think just be open and just yeah. be honest and be like, hey, this event happened in my life. I apologize. I realize I am now one week late. I'll I can get it to you in a week, you know. Or and here's where I'm at right now, yeah. and leave your developer to know either. Hey, that's fine. We're going to reassign what you have, or you know, we'll finish it off. Yeah. Or say, great. You know what? You've got one more week. Go ahead and just finish it. But like, just be honest about what's going on. You don't have to tell me your personal details. But if you want to say, like, you know, I realize that I'm in this situation. Again, that's a lot better than just ghosting on them and being like, I will not say anything and work yeah. on it till it's done. It's not good. Just and, let them know. and if you have it like partly done, if there's pieces mm -hmm. that either you could keep expanding on or that somebody else that they assign it to might be able to salvage, mm -hmm. make sure that you make them aware of that. Yeah, like, as, send them what you have. Um, don't go into too much detail, but do say something, you know, like, I'm so sorry, uh, there was an emergency in my family, I had a personal emergency, uh, I had health, pro health complications, health problems, or whatever, like, uh, brief, not too much detail, don't, like, go on about it, but do be honest about, like, something happened, uh, send them what you have so far, ask them how they want to proceed, like if you give me another week I can finish it, or if you want to give this to someone else to finish, I understand. Cool. Last advice? Or any other questions? Um, if there are no more questions, maybe we can do one last time uh, telling everybody who you are and where people can find you on the internet. <laughs> um, so once again, I am Vanessa Hoskins. Um, you can find, I actually write a blog called Craft Adventure on No Direction Network. It is all of my very boring blog material on how to write adventures, uh, anywhere from balancing encounters to whatever. So there is a lot of information there. And that's nodirectionpodcast.com. And that's probably the best way to find my stuff. And you can connect on me through there, probably. It's not boring. <laughs> I mean, it's not as fun as like Conic Design, but it's you know, where it's like here's a cool build, but you know, it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I'm David N. Ross. You can take one of my cards if you want. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions from new freelancers or old freelancers, anybody. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Twitter at David Ross Worlds. Uh, I'm not a terribly frequent tweeter, but I do like to make people know about opportunities that I hear about and uh, industry news. I'm Kendra Lee Speedling. I also have cards up here. Um, I have a website, which is klspeedling.com, which mostly contains a list of things I've done. Um, I'm also on Twitter, though it's not on my business card, at, uh, which is at KendraLS. I, too, am not terribly active on it, but every mm. so often I will post pictures of my cat, so <laughs> if that is your thing. Um, and I, my email's on there. I'm also happy to answer questions if anyone has any follow-up inquiries. I'm Jacob W. Michaels. Um, you can, here's my card as well, or up here. Please feel free to grab them. Um, I think I'm most available on paizo.com. Uh, feel free to send me PMs. I check the site regularly, multiple times a day. <laughs> um, so you know, and I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to answer questions as well. Um, also, if you go on Freelance Forge, I check that daily. Um, I don't have a hell of a lot of a life, obviously. Um, so, but yeah, I'm happy to help other people as much as I can. So. Uh, I am Jessica Redikoff. I do also actually have cards. Uh, they are they're terrible, though. They're going to be the worst cards you've seen at the show. <laughs> Don't you dare make cards worse than mine. I need this. <laughs> <laughs>
It can't be worse than the time I handed someone. Okay, no, 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 no. Look, okay, here. They look like this, and they're all different sizes, and they're cut at different angles. I cut them myself, and they're all the text is in different places on all of them. They're really terrible. I wrote it on the back of a uh, event card because I've forgotten my business card. Right here. So it can't be worse than that. Right. Don't be me. John Pumpton yeah. would say we're all jackals anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am Kate Baker. I am on Twitter at Kate Baker GM. Uh, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. And our time is up. So, so we're all happy to people after.